What's going on, everybody? Welcome to our Family Matters podcast, where we talk about family matters because family matters. And if you're watching today, go ahead and click that subscribe button that you see down below so that you can get notifications on each video that we upload. We're so glad to have you here today. And we have a special treat. We have a friend here uh, who uh, he, he is the pastor at Community Church in Orange, Texas. And uh, he has gone all over the world sharing the gospel and ministering to people. And I'm so glad to have him here today. I want to welcome my friend, Dr. Stephen Samuel. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. How often do you get introduced as Dr. Uh, I try not Samuel? to make it too often. <laughs> <laughs> Text the expectations really high. <laughs> well, man, you well you've put a lot of work into that, man. So yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, we're, I'm glad to be here. It's an honor to be here and share with you a little bit about the book and uh, just yeah. the ministry as a whole and, and parenting and fatherhood. And so I'm excited about it. Yeah, man. Family matters, man. That's the whole reason why we're having this podcast, because we really believe our church yeah. and me per personally, you yeah. know, and I know you do as well. Family yeah. is important. Yeah. And uh, we think it's worth investing in. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you being here as well, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, real quick, we're, we will get to the book in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about your book, yeah. which, by the way, it's called A Reason for Hope. For those of you who have not seen it, uh, you can't miss it once you see his face. So, <laughs> But A Reason for Hope and unlocking God's identity in you. Yeah. So um, maybe you'll maybe you'll leave this copy for me to read. So Absolutely. We'll see. You're, welcome <laughs> to it. You're welcome to it. But anyways, man, I'm so glad um, that you, we finally have you in here and mm -hmm. we will get to our topic. But before we do that, yeah. man, um, you know, I know that this is something when you mentioned it wasn't something that you necessarily thought that you would end up doing right, at some right. point, but you found yourself mm -hmm. writing a book. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'm sure that some events led to that. Sure, sure. Well, I can kind of just time on start from where we're at. Like you mentioned, I'm the, the executive pastor at Community Church. It's yes, a sir. great place uh, there in Orange. And uh, But how we got there to where we're at now, uh, you know, I was called to the ministry when I was about uh, 16 years old. Kid here, right here in Bridge City, Texas. You know, grew up with my dad, is pastor in the church. And I felt a call to missions and call to ministry. Um, and so uh, graduated actually from community school. Uh, in 1996, and then went to Lamar here, uh, Lamar State College in Orange, and then Lamar Beaumont, finished my bachelor's there in uh, economics, and then all that time doing youth ministry, you know, which we're very familiar with. Yes, you know, I Doing am. youth ministry very for so. 15 years with my wife, we did youth ministry, and then youth ministry evolved, as most youth ministries do, into college ministry, <laughs> and then uh, had a ministry at Lamar University called uh, Release, and yes. it grew and grew and grew, and then we didn't know what we were doing anymore. <laughs> And then uh, over time, the Lord, uh, you know, brought us underneath that umbrella of Chi Alpha uh, with the Assemblies of God, and it's been a beautiful journey with them. They've done a powerful work, and they're still doing a powerful work at Lamar, and then we raised up a, a number of some key leaders. Uh, they're still carrying on the work there. And then, so, uh, finishing up with college, I didn't really feel equipped for ministry uh, as far as the academic side goes. So sure. I went, got my master's degree from Midwest Theological, and then after that, you know, went on to the doctorate. But I really wanted to write something for my kids to know why we believe what we believe. Yeah. And I, I'll say this, you know, because we're going to talk about fathers. I think there's just a misnomer, uh, a false belief, I should say, that fathers, uh, you know, are just these goofballs walking around the house, you know, being punked around by their kids and their, their spouse. And, you know, they're just aiming, you know, mean, meaninglessly walking around life. 
to just try to have a good time and, you know, whatever, be, be a bum pretty much, you know. And the truth is the picture we see of fatherhood in the scriptures is fathers are intelligent, uh, very versed in how to navigate the world and its system and how to yeah. train their children, how to navigate the world and its system yeah. with a kingdom mindset. And so there's no room for emotional laziness. There's no room for intellectual laziness. Uh, there's no room for just, you know, oh, I hope my kids organically turn out okay because they got a great youth pastor, they got a great <laughs> kids pastor, they got a great church yeah, pastor at the church, you know. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and as, as, as an associate pastor at the church that I'm at now, I can tell you one of the hardest things to do is convincing parents they have to be 100% invested in their kids' spiritual development. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, all that to say, kind of back, my reason for writing the book was to give my kids uh, a story Line number one, the first few chapters, the first chapter is my biography, just the storyline of where I've come from. You know, I'm an immigrant to the United States, came here when I was very young. Uh, and, and specifically from where? From India. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was born in South India. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, so my, my dad uh, brought us here when we were very young. I was four, my brother was five. And uh, that third culture phenomenon, which I really didn't think about till you know, I was well into my adult life, like, hey, I grew up different than everybody else, you <laughs> yeah. know? Uh, we were Indian at home and American everywhere else. Yeah. And then, uh, but w we grew up in a culture, me growing up in a culture, and my dad, you know, like every dad, is not perfect, but he put into us principles, godly scriptural principles that have sustained and carried us much, much, much further than, than any of us really anticipated, you yeah. know? And so, uh, but that's the reason I wrote my book was to give people, give, give my kids a hope. And then, you know, beyond that, other people to look at it and say, this is why we follow Jesus. I love that, man. Yeah. And just as a side note, I know that everybody who's watching can't see, but our audio engineer, uh, our sound engineer, he has been uh, to India many times. Oh, really? Along with I. Oh, wow. And, you know, yeah, we have a lot of friends out there. Oh, wow, so, that's great. Uh, hopefully I'll get to go back soon. But, yeah, let's go. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, but back to your uh, what you were saying, I love everything, especially with fathers, because you're right. The image that we get is that the father is the leader mm -hmm. of the home, the leader of his family, yeah. the leader of his marriage. Yep. And, um, and it's also a representative of God himself yeah. in the home um, here on earth. And so yeah. um, I love uh, everything you're saying. And, and, I'm, and one of the things that you mentioned was uh, how a father... Has is is called to? I think you said mm. uh, um, a father is is responsible for a spiritually navigating yeah. his children's life. Yeah, and that is so important, so yeah. key. Now, obviously, I'm in ministry. Yeah. You're in ministry, yeah. so you know we understand that yeah. importance. But you know, it's it's something that's not always understood. Um, maybe just maybe you know we have to do yeah. a better job of. Of, uh, of teaching our families, but this is one of the reasons why you wrote the book. Yeah, you know, and I think the reason a lot of, there's a, there's a, um, there's a vacuum in that area of fathers knowing their responsibilities, because we've been kind of told a lie uh, in our culture, and maybe even sometimes through our churches, that we can subcontract out raising our kids to other people. And I'm telling you, no one has the greater influence in a child's life than a dad. Uh, good dad, bad dad. In fact, I think it's mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis in his book, the, um, the Four Loves. You know, he talks about that storge love, which is parental love. And he says, it's kind of like God gives you an extra, uh, a tip, uh, not, uh, not a tip, but just a be, uh, an advantage that no one else has. Yeah. In that you have your kid's heart, storge yes. love, you have the heart of your kids from the day they're born. 
Yes. You know, every dad can can probably remember those pictures of their kids dressing up like them, <laughs> right? Putting on their shoes, putting on their their clothes, and you know, being a goofy as a little child. But there's that storge love that God has put in the heart of every child, which I think, uh, and and one of the principles in the book, it's we are created to be like our father. Mm-hmm. All the all of our nature, not identical, but we're created to have that identity put in us. You know, if yeah. you talk to any one of my kids, all, and I have four boys, any one of my boys, and they sit down and talk with you, you'll feel like you're talking to me, you know, in some way or the other. And they're not duplicate copies of me, but they have these core principles laid down, work ethic, yeah. the way they think about Jesus, the way they think about family. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've done it all wrong. I mean, ask my wife, I've done a lot of things wrong. Right? <laughs> but through that process of me learning, I'm learning as a father how to uh, guide them into principles that will make them good fathers. Absolutely. And, and I will say this, that many times a lot of guys that I talk to feel like they're failures. You know, my kid's a teenager already, or, or they're already adults and I'm a failure. It's never too late to start yeah. being a good father. And yeah. I don't mean go out and make a lot of good commi- big commitments, so I'm going to do all this great stuff. You know, Just start with every day going into the presence of Jesus, God, what can I do? Yeah. And I'll find some of my greatest growth moments as a dad has been apologizing to my kids like, yeah. Listen, I really messed up. Yeah. I got angry, lost my temper, said things I shouldn't have said. And and that's a good place to start because when you humble yourself, mm-hmm. your kids are learning that father's not flawless. Yeah. They're just correctable and teachable. And that's a yeah. great father principle to have. Yes. Man, I, uh, one of the things that I have learned and just in mm-hmm. life that we know is that one step at a time makes progress. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you were mentioning at is you know, at times when we feel like we have failed in yeah. any area of life, but especially as a mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And I love that you that, uh, that you mentioned that because the truth is that I believe that most fathers are good fathers. Yeah. But yeah. there is uh, a, a a gap in knowledge mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, they're, they're, the spiritual responsibility yeah. of a father. You know, there's, you, you know, as a youth pastor, mm-hmm. I enjoyed investing into kids' lives, mm-hmm. but there was, it was completely different, mm-hmm. you know, because I was their youth pastor, but no matter how good or how bad their father was, I was never going to be their dad, and I was yeah. never trying to be their yeah. dad, but it's because it's two different roles, yeah. and I can invest into a child's life, but you are so right. The, the greatest influence a person has in any person's life is their father. Yeah whether for positive or negative. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I love, um, you know, the way you're putting this. So what are some of the things that, that, that you talk about in your book uh, specifically towards these things? So I began, obviously, like I said, with my biography. But then after that, I talk about uh, the book of Galatians is really what it's about. That, that was my exegesis, I mean, my thesis during uh, my doctorate, whatever that I wrote about. And then I took it and made it a book. But what I start with is, when Paul writes this letter of Galatians, mm-hmm. it's the first letter to the New Testament church before uh, any biographical information about Jesus, before Mark is written, before Luke and Matthew are written, right. uh, before Peter writes, before James writes even. This is the first letter that's circulated through the church and it's predominantly written to non-Jews. Right. And it gives a little bit of background. Paul gives a little background in Galatians of, of Abraham, which is a common understanding among the first century church. Mm-hmm but immediately goes to the identity, the nature that God puts in us, right? And, and, and how we as believers receive the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we have, 
minimize Christianity or minimize salvation to just a profession of faith. Well, if you just pray this prayer, that's all that's necessary. It's more than that. It's really, what we're really saying is if you'll come into this family yeah. of following Jesus, this family that God has created and he's the father, we will cultivate in you the nature of what it means to be a son of God. Yeah. And not just it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's a spiritual thing in that God puts his spirit inside of us. And when he puts his spirit inside of us, Paul would later on say, our spirit cries out, Daddy, Father, Father right? That's yeah. Romans chapter 8. Our spirit cries out, Daddy, Father. And what does that mean? We want to please the Father, yeah. right? We want to live a life that is not just morally uh, vacant of sin and sensuality, but a life that is pleasing to the Father, not because we're afraid of the Father, but because we love the Father. Mm -hmm. And because we love Him, we keep His commandments. And Jesus yeah. says, if we love Him and we keep His commandments, that He will give us, He will pray to the Father, and the Father will give us the Holy Spirit. Yes. The Helper will come, and He will do what? He will give us the power to obey. And then not only that, Jesus says, and the Father will love you. Yeah. And I think a lot of dads, uh, whether it's fathers of neglect, fathers, uh, fathers who have neglected them, or fathers that have been absent in their life, mm -hmm. uh, don't ever get that full perception of, man, God is my father. Yeah. You know, he's the one that I can go to. And, and there's a couple of, you know, as you go through the book and you read that chapter on father hunger, that desire tells us that there's a reality where God is our father. In fact, yeah. um, Kenneth, uh, what's his name? Henry Cloud in his book, Boundaries, at the very end of the book, which nobody ever gets to. Uh, but he talks about how parenting, healthy parenting, eventually will lead your kids to look to the father. That's, that's the trade-off at the very end. That's when you hand the baton over. You're not looking to me anymore. Yeah. I've trained you how to see me in a good, healthy light as a father, mm -hmm. and now the real father is yeah. Father God. Yeah. And what you've done with me as far as dependency and relationship, you can do that with that. the father. Yes. And, but if I don't have healthy boundaries and I don't raise you well, it's really hard. In fact, uh, Paul Vitz wrote a book called Faith of the Fatherless, mm -hmm. uh, which and Vitz is not a, you know, as far as I know, a renowned, well-known Christian speaker. He's just a psychologist, a sociologist, I'm sorry, at NYU, I believe. Uh, and he wrote this, this, this somewhat overview of all the atheistic thinkers, Nietzsche uh, and mm -hmm. Bertrand Russell and... and uh, I'm drawing blank on some names of Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. And what he finds is there's just this overwhelming, obvious, cannot turn your attention away from this common ground that every one of these yeah. profound atheistic thinkers had an absentee father. Yeah. Had a father that was neglectful. Even guys like Soren Kierkegaard, you know, and his, his writings are profound. You know, Kierkegaard is where we get this existential idea of living for the here and now. But Kierkegaard's father, who was a minister, just neglected him emotionally. And yet he responded to that knowing that God was something bigger and more emotionally responsive to him than what his father was. But the book, Faith of the Fathers, and then he goes, after he goes through the atheistic thinkers and their relationship with their fathers, even the modern ones, then he goes to these men who have changed the world. Mm. And he talks about their relationship with the father, you know, yeah. Edmund Burke um, and, and other uh, profound thinkers of the Renaissance age. And even to this day, yeah. these guys that have changed the world. I mean, even evangelists like Billy Graham and, and guys that you think about, like these guys made a radical impact. How do they do it? They had a strong father in their life that cared about them and knew their destiny. Even if the fathers didn't see everything that was going to happen, he set them up to be much greater. It's something I tell my kids all the time. Listen, if I do my job right, you'll be much bigger, much greater, much more powerful, much more successful, not in materialistic and worldly terms, but in spiritual and eternal terms yeah. than I ever could be. 
Yeah. Like if I do my job right, my kids are not going to have a problem with the things that I had a problem with. Right. Right. But it, and, and, and we go back, even in our American culture, we have this reset mindset that every generation, well, they got to learn it on their own. That's the dumbest idea yeah, ever. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know what I'm saying? It's the dumbest Absolutely. idea. Like, why should they have to go into no. all this debt? Why should they have to carry all the burdens you carried? If you're doing good and you're a good father, and I'm not saying that in a condemning way, I'm just saying if you're following Jesus, you set yourself, you set your children up yes. to go far beyond you so yes. that their children's children will go far beyond them. I mean, that's yes. the way the kingdom was intended to be built. And we see traces and, of that. And, and, and the way it was built. Yeah. yeah, the way it was built. We see traces of that in like in Jewish culture, you know, like the family comes together, starts the business mm -hmm. so that the kids and the grandkids can have a business that they yeah. can own, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the things that I'm that I'd like to hear you talk about a little more. You mm. you've mentioned a couple of times about your experience. Um, I, tell us a little bit about your experience with your father, or you know, you know how that relates to this yeah. book at all. Yeah. You know, I think uh, it, it's a it, and one of the chapters in our talk about that where. You know, growing up as, a, as an Indian kid, you know, my dad, very Indian in his culture, very uh, um, new to his faith. You know, when he, when he started following the Lord, he was 16, and he didn't have a father. His fa father abandoned him uh, because he came to faith in Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so he didn't really have a lot of tools to father us. And I'm not saying he did a bad job. He did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't have a lot of tools to teach us, you know, as kids outside of the scriptures. He didn't have psychologists. He didn't have a lot of books. He didn't have... Didn't have a lot of tools. And so my relationship with my father was he put a really good work ethic in me. Yeah. I mean, he said, Stephen, if you're going to do something, do it right. You know, mm -hmm. if it's worth doing, do it right. You know, yeah. and that work ethic, believe it or not, dads, listen, one of the key things you can teach your kids is how to do a job and do it right. Yeah. Because right now, you know, and I know as employers many times as, as leaders in our community, the hardest things to find is people who know how to work. You know, I mean, like literally, yeah. you know how to work. But I will say that's one of those key things that put in my life. And I can tell you every morning when I woke up and walked past my dad's office, he was sitting at his desk six o'clock every morning. And my mom too, at the kitchen table, sitting there with their Bibles open yeah. every morning. Yeah. I mean, I cannot remember a morning where that did not happen. And if we had to get up early to go work and stuff, they were opening the scriptures and they were reading. And it put that in me like literally this morning, every morning I get up, yeah. I open my Bible because they taught me this principle that yeah. you have to hear God's voice. Absolutely. You cannot you cannot do this just by reading good books and, and even watching great podcasts and you know tips here and tips there, which they help. But if you don't hear God's voice, yeah. you're not going to make it. You, yeah. know? you can probably navigate a little ways, but you've got to hear God's voice from the word of God every day. Yeah. And uh, that really was an impact in my life. And I think, you know, as, as my kids are now, and listen, there's so many tools now to teach your kids the Word. Yeah. I mean, we have the, you know, apps to, that we play for our Bible time in the evenings yeah. and, and apps that they can use on their phones to read the Scriptures. But however the mechanism changes, the principle is, man, they have to open the Scriptures and they have to hear God for themselves. Yeah. Because there's going to come a time when you're not there and when I'm not there. And if they don't know how to hear God's voice, somebody else's voice is going to be of great impact in their life. Yeah. Man, even to this day, man, some of the greatest moments I have are yeah. the times that we spend before they go to bed, yeah. spending time in devotional or in the Word. Yeah. And the, it's, it's the questions they ask. Yeah. It's the, you know, even the silliest questions, yeah. you know, which some of them are actually pretty good. Pretty theological, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, to be honest, you know, if we're being honest there. But those moments, you know, when it's not just me pouring in, but it's them inquisitive, you know, you yeah. know, you know, you know, inquiring or them sharing what's yeah. inside of them. 
you know, uh, or them asking each other questions. Yeah. You know, you know that 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 word, the word of God, is getting mm -hmm. on the inside of them, and teaching them the moments to pray and ask yeah. God for themselves. Yeah. And you know, those are those are you're absolutely right. Teaching them. Yeah. To and you know we're you know my my girls are are uh, you know one's about to turn ten, one's yeah. about to turn seven, and um, so my ten year old is starting to get into that. Yeah. That phase where she's not only wanting to read mm -hmm. her Bible and, yeah. and you know, but she's wanting to bring it and she's wanting to and those are the moments that you don't want to lose. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and so whenever right. she's desiring it, that's when okay, man, let's let's go for it because yeah. that's that hunger, you mm -hmm. know, and so um yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's so good. It's good. You know, as you're talking, I remember a moment and it was a number of years ago, my kids and I we split firewood, you know, to make a little they make a little money during the whatever winter time, split selling firewood. And we were out in the in the in the back of our back of our yard splitting firewood with a little log splitter and whatever. And, and my my number three kid Benjamin, he he just and it was one of those moments. He he we're out there working. It's hot, you know. Of course they make a little money on it, so it's not like you know slave labor or nothing. They're making some money. <laughs> and uh, so he stops and he looks at me and says, "Dad, why do we have to work so hard?" And I said, "Well, why do you think we have to work so hard?" And his his wheels started turning. You could tell, you know, the wheels mm -hmm. were turning. And he said, "Because." Because God told Adam, you're going to work hard as a consequence of sin's nature, hmm. you know? And he's like, so this is all Adam's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, if blaming people could fix it, it would. But I always find that as a dad, you know, as we're talking about this, there's some unique opportunities we get. Yes. When they have questions, stop, take the time and say, okay, you're right. And then what do you think Jesus came to do? Yeah. You know, and that scripture comes to, came to mind, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having mm. become a curse for us. Yeah. So Jesus came so that when we work, because work was there before the fall, right? Mm -hmm. God gave Adam a job, yeah. right? But when we work, because of who Jesus is and the freedom he gave us from sin, our work can go much further. Yeah. Our, our benefits of our work can go much further. Yeah. And just inserting, not, I'm not saying we put up a pulpit and preach every time, but I'm just saying they're looking for answers. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm reading a book um, by uh, the Barna Group right now, uh, and it's called uh, Faith of the Exiles, I think. And uh, he mm -hmm. talks about how this generation can access so much information, a Google search away, that essentially they have everything accessible all the time. And what that means is they feel like, I don't need anybody else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the problem is information is not the solution yes. to those deep longings in our heart. They need an experience with someone that cares about them. Yeah. They need an experience with people not just has the knowledge, but has the time and energy to invest in their lives. Yeah. You know? Man, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, one of the things that I've learned, Stephen, mm -hmm. is the importance of when my daughter asks a question, I, you know, you have yeah. four sons, I got four daughters. <laughs> yeah. and, but when they ask a question, yeah. the importance of either giving them an answer, me as the father, yeah. as, as, her, as her parent, yeah. or letting her know that I will give her an answer, yeah. the importance of that, because if, if, if she learns that I can't answer her question, she's yeah. gonna look for it somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. And I've seen it as a youth pastor, and the you know the importance of that. So, but um, you know we're we're getting close you know to, to closing sure. out. But I but I uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier was mm -hmm. um, the the role that a um, someone who has grown mm -hmm. up without a father or yeah. absent father. Yeah. And um, 
the the lens in which they see the world mm-hmm. is so much different and not yeah. just the world yeah also in themselves yeah but even more importantly the way that we see the father yeah and um i'm, I'm sure that you mentioned that in your book you, you know um that 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 lens yeah that you know you you can understand who jesus was you know mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. i you know as a as a child who grew up without a father i could See, I understood who Jesus was. Yeah. I understood who the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. Yeah. But the Father was just this cloud. I, it was He was so distant from yeah. me. Yeah. I could never understand. And yeah. it, it took some time for me to learn yeah. through Scripture, through you know the men that God mm-hmm. had placed in my mm-hmm. life, what a Father really is and yeah. how He is the perfect Father. Yeah. And we are never meant to be the perfect Father, yeah. but but there is something that He provides in our life yeah. that a, that an earthly Father couldn't. But that lens, you yeah. know, uh, talk about that just a minute. You know, I think perception eventually creates reality in our life. Yeah. The way you perceive things to be, eventually that's how they will be. And I'm yeah. not saying we have, you know, the ability to manipulate time and space or anything like that. But many times our perception of God, which is based on our fathers, our earthly fathers, it's mm-hmm. based on that. In fact, if you read in Genesis account, the reason God chose Abraham is because he says, I knew he would raise his children to fear, fear me. Right. Like it was a very father principled choice God made in picking Abraham in that he knew Abraham would raise up Isaac, Isaac would raise up Jacob and then the 12 children, uh, 12 of Isaac's children. But that lens of fatherhood, no matter how cracked it is, we can always come back to Jesus and say, can you show me the father? Mm. Because Jesus is number one, one of his number one principles that he taught when he came to earth was, I've come you to show you the father. Yes. Right. And they said, how do we pray? Well, he says, you pray. Our father, Our father, right? And even John chapter 13, 14, 15, he talks about mm-hmm. the father will love you. The father sent me. I am in the father. You are in me and he is in you. Yeah. And so the lens of how to fix that many times, if we just want to look at practical ways is number one, going to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard sometimes. And I, and I get it because I went through that father hunger stage as well, mm-hmm. where I read the scriptures and I see God through a broken lens. Yeah. And then I have to push myself to say, this is not the truth. Yes. What is the truth is I have to see even my own father and we have to see our fathers through the lens of who God is. Yes. And of course, every father falls short. <laughs> every father <laughs> every, falls everyone. short because he's the real father. Yes. I will say what helped me and, and helps many young men like you and, and friends that I know that have struggled with fatherhood like myself is God always puts in our lives glimpses mm-hmm. of fatherhood yes. in other men. And yes. so well, that's why church community is so important. Oh, man. I can tell you, uh, and you could think even back to the first century, you know, fathers being killed, you know, tortured, murdered, martyred them. And what happens to their kids? The church takes them in. And that's why it's so important. If you're a dad or grandparent in a church and you see these little kids running around and they're making trouble, let me tell you what's really happening. They are crying out for a father's attention, right? They're looking for somebody's attention to pay attention to them, but to teach them, hey, this is what a young man looks like. This is what a daughter looks like. Yes. And I know that we have those boundaries set up in place in our lives where we cannot be fathers to people that we're not fathers mm-hmm. to, but we can implement into their life or inject into their life truths of, hey, this is the right way. Absolutely. And I can tell you how many times a young man's come into our church out of jail or off the street or just out of a de- broken lifestyle. Mm-hmm. and. They're coming to me and say, hey, will you be my friend? And I know what they're really asking. Yeah. I need a dad. Yeah. You know, and, and men are proud, and we don't want to admit that many times. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I got it all figured out. But really, 
discipleship is a matter of mentoring, right? It's that father-son relationship kind of on a different level. Yeah. And uh, so I would say, man, for those that are watching, you're like, man, I didn't have what you had, Stephen. I didn't have great fathers in my life, or I didn't have, uh, you know, great men of God in my life. What do I do to change that? Well, you need to get in a church community. Yes. You know, you need to find a place. And, and here's here's how you know a good father. You look for gray hair, <laughs> right? You look for gray hair, and you look at somebody who has a great relationship with their kids, yeah. their grandkids, and their wife. Yeah. You could ask them. Like, go up to them and say, hey, tell me about your marriage. Tell me about your, your kids, mm-hmm. grandkids. And if you see those markers in their life where they're still talking to their children and grandchildren yeah. and they have an influence in their home where they love their spouse, and I'm not saying they're perfect and they got it all figured out. I'm yeah. just saying there's markers in their life like these guys are holding it together. Mm-hmm. Then you sit down with them and say, tell me what works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, even today, yeah. my, my children... When they have their friends over, mm. and I'm sure you've witnessed it as well. Yeah. <laughs> what are their friends doing? They're watching. Yeah. They're yeah. watching you. They're watching me. And not just all the time, but it's whenever they do something. Yeah. You know, their friend, you know, my daughter does something and and they're expecting, you know, like, you know, what is he going to do? Yeah. And they watch. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm so confident, you know, yeah. in our, you know, in, in, in my, you know, uh, now, I'm not, I'm no perfect father, but I do yeah. know that I'm intentional. Very. And, yeah. um, you know, just just seeing those moments mm-hmm. where they realize, oh, wow, he didn't yell at her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and realizing they're seeing something different. Mm. And um, but uh, you, you said so much here, man. But if you could leave one more thing to just fathers, you know, yeah. what would you say? You know, I think one of the biggest um, handicaps fathers carry is usually when they started off, they made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And I'm one of those guys. I made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, mistakes with how I raised my kids, yelled at my kids, was harsh, was angry, uh, struggled in my marriage. And and I found there was a season in my life where I didn't move beyond those mistakes. I knew God forgave me. I knew my wife forgave me. I know my kids forgave me. Yeah. But there was just this overwhelming condemnation of, you messed it up too much to do anything now, you know. And then there's a passage of scripture that comes to mind. It says His mercy, God's mercy, mm. is renewed to us every, every morning. morning. So you don't have to convince everybody to forget the past. You just start today. God, I yes. want to be a good dad today. Yeah. And so that's all you can change. You can't change the past. You can't justify it. You can't explain it away. You can't, uh, you know, say I'm sorry enough. Mm-hmm. You've just got to look at today and say, okay, I have today. And here's what I'm going to do. And I wouldn't say go make some great resolutions and I'm going to change all this. But just I'm going to take time today. Like every week at the beginning of every week and I had a little calendar where I set out, I have to set time to spend with my boys. Yeah. It doesn't just organically happen. You're right. Every every Saturday morning, me and my son, my oldest son, because he's he's in his last year of high school and I'm about to hopefully he's going to move on. You know, if he moves on out out of state or whatever to college, I'm not going to see him. And so every Saturday morning I wake him up. Tell him Friday night, I wake him up Saturday morning, we get in the car, we go have breakfast somewhere. And we talk about everything. You know, yeah. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Sometimes the conversations are great, sometimes they're not. But I've determined this year, every Saturday morning, for the next 52 Saturdays, I'm going to have him. I love it. You know, and it'd be very intentional. Now, I could look back and say, you know, I messed up all this stuff and, you know, whatever. But don't let the enemy keep you in that trap of condemnation. And I think that's where a lot of dads get stuck. They're trapped. You know, I made all these mistakes. Look, confess, your, confess what's happened, admit it, and then say, okay, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. And then find guys to put around you. Like, find good dads. You know, a good buddy of mine, David Henson, I talk to him all the time. You know, yeah. he's a dad, and he's made his share of mistakes, and he's told me about him. You know, and he's saying, here's what you can do that's different. Yeah. And I've got three or four men in my life 
that really pour into my life of how to be a good dad. Because listen, nobody's born with it. You don't just wake up one day and think, oh, I'm going to be a great dad. We're having yeah. a kid, so therefore, bam, I got this set of skills. Yeah. You got to go to men, and you have to uh, forget the past, right? Paul says, I count all these things as lost, talking about his education, his mm-hmm. learning, all that stuff. And then he says, I put those things behind me, mm-hmm. past experiences. And you're talking about yes. a guy that murdered a lot of Christians. Yeah. I put those things behind me, and I press on to the mark of the high prize, the yes. calling of God. Yes. And so that was what I would say. Just don't be trapped in the past. Find a community of dads in a church and let them pour into your life to be a good dad. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, man, thank you so much. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad that you joined the podcast today. And, and again, for those who are watching, um, his book is called A Reason for Hope, and you can find that uh, on Amazon, I'm sure. You should. Sure. And can. so, um, excuse me for slamming that down there, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, you can find that on Amazon. And we appreciate you for joining today. Thanks again for watching today's podcast. And remember that your family matters. We'll see you guys next week.